You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And we have a lot to cover on today's show. We're going to be giving you a recap of that win over Rutgers, giving you the good, the bad, um, what you know, what to look forward to from that. We're also going to be talking about Spencer Petrus. Because, and I'll give a little bit of explanation, we do have Matt Vandenberg joining the show Wednesday morning to give us, you know, and work with us on a recap of this season. Matt had a lot of great insight throughout the season, thought it'd be appropriate to wrap up the season with him because we didn't get a chance to talk to him on the Michigan game. We didn't get a chance to talk to him after Missouri game because neither of those games happened. And we want to have another opportunity to chat with Matt more about this football season because it was just a ton of fun to watch him, especially on the last six-game winning streak. We're going to be asking him about Spencer Petrus. Before we get into that, though, I want to give a little bit of an analysis of Spencer and how he stacks up to other first-year starting quarterbacks in the Kirk Barron's era. It is a little bit eye-opening. So that'll be coming up on segment number two. And then finally on segment number three, we're going to be giving a recap of the Iowa women's basketball game that took place yesterday against Illinois and also doing a little bit of a breakdown of the men's wrestling team. That schedule came out. Want to make sure we cover that as well. Before we get into any of that though, one quick news note um, thing to bring up. Cooper DeGene is the recipient of the Adidas Football Player of the Year Award. Uh, fantastic player, four-star recruit joining Iowa, most likely going to be playing defensive back. But what he did um, in his high school prep career was just truly amazing and obviously well-deserved that he's getting that award. Let's get into Iowa Rutgers talk, though, because that was that was a slugfest. And if anyone remembers last year or listened to our preview episode with Bakari Evelyn, Rutgers was going to be like this. It was always going to be a tough game. And if you didn't expect that, then you don't know Rutgers basketball and you don't know Big Ten basketball because Big Ten basketball can be pretty physical. And Rutgers basketball, even more so, is more physical, especially when they play Iowa. Um, I, I don't think it's a just a specifically Iowa thing. I think that's how Rutgers plays. And what I thought was most impressive was the fact that that isn't traditionally Iowa's style of basketball. But they stepped up to the challenge and they battled back. And I thought they played. I mean, that was that they they showed me a lot in that game. Um, if you look back to the Minnesota game, I don't want to keep bringing that up, but that was a game where Iowa should have won. They had a seven point lead with 30 seconds left. They should have won, and they were unable to close it out. And I talked about it after the show. I said, "Great teams finish off close games. Good teams finish them off most of the time." Iowa is still working to become great. We have a lot of season left, but this was a very big step. Closing out that game 77-75, to 75, and who closed it out I think was even more impressive. That was Keegan Murray. And I remember, I remember them extending an offer to Keegan Murray. I was actually still, you know, that was back when I was still doing this show. Um, it was early on when I was doing this show, right? But I was really excited about the prospects of the Murray twins um, when you did a little bit more research into digging in. But when Iowa offered them, they did not have a star behind their name, right? That's, that's how obscure the offer initially seemed. And now you're looking at it and you're like, wow, 
Holy crap, Fran. Good work. That is impressive because what Keegan Murray has done so far in his young Iowa Hawkeye career has been truly impressive. Hitting those two free throws to basically close out the game is something that you cannot overstate its importance. That was that was huge um, to be able to do that, to be able to help close out that game for the Hawks. Um, that is that was amazing. And it, it just goes to show just how important he's going to be to the success of this Iowa basketball program for years to come. Um, I also thought Luca Garza put the team on his back and did a fantastic job of saying, give me the ball. I'm going to the hoop. I'm going to win this game. Um, can't understate Joe Wieskamp as well. The fact that he hit his final two free throws. Again, free throws were not um, a free throws were definitely one of the issues we had against Minnesota. They were not the issue against Rutgers. Again, Keegan Murray hits both his free throws with 17 seconds left to give Iowa the tie and then ultimately the lead. And then Joe Wieskamp made his first free throw. It would have been great to see him make that second free throw, but hit that first one regardless to at least make it so Rutgers had to at least get a shot. You know, they couldn't, we couldn't, we. We could have fouled them, I guess, and, and brought them to the line, but it gave us a little bit of comfort there. But again, Keegan Murray being able to do that as a true freshman is really fantastic stuff. Um, I thought overall Luca Garza did a great job of battling throughout the game, as we saw, as we expect from Luca Garza. 35 minutes of play, and he was able to put up great numbers, especially in the second half after Miles Johnson was getting in a little bit of foul trouble. 9 of 11 from the field. In 35 minutes, scoring 25 points, one of two from three, eight of nine, or sorry, excuse me, six of seven from the free throw line. So um, great stuff. Iowa overall did a great, much better job, more in line with what they typically do from the from the charity stripe. 18 of 23 in this game. One of the things I thought was really interesting was the fact that Iowa actually shot pretty well in this game, and yet Rutgers was in the game throughout. Right, so Iowa shot. 46% from the field, five, you know, 50% from two, 38% or 39% from three. Rutgers shot 44% from the field, 45% from two, and 39% from three. They just took a lot more shots than Iowa did. Uh, when you look at it overall, they shot 71 times. Iowa shot 56. They were getting a lot more second chance opportunities against the Hawks. That goes to show, I mean, they had 15 offensive rebounds compared to Iowa's nine. I thought Iowa did a good job of getting involved actively on the glass, but um, some of those balls, I mean, it was a it was a battle to get every single basketball, and sometimes Rutgers just wanted it more. They got did a better t job of, of getting in position, but I also thought what I really like to see, you know, Luca Garza would at times very selflessly, he would clear out Miles Johnson and allow any number of Iowa Hawkeyes to attack the rim and try to get that rebound. But a lot of the, I mean, a lot of those boards, um, it wasn't going to the first person who touched it. It was the fifth and sixth person who touched it at times because it was just bouncing around hands because hands are flying literally everywhere. So again, a real ugly game all around. And the fact that Iowa showed that they can play that way and win that way was huge to me. Two other things I want, I'm going to, Probably just going to kind of ramble over things that I, I want to touch on. But Connor McCaffrey being out was a huge loss for the Hawks, especially given the fact that it seemed like Joe Toussaint might still be a bit hobbled. Uh, Fran McCaffrey said that they both are going to be, they should both be available for the next game that we do have. Um, but not exactly um, ideal when you have your, your, he could be considered a power forward and basically where he's getting in at, but he does play a lot of point. 
Um, but it sounds like we're going to have him back for the Maryland game as well as Joe Toussaint. But real quick on the Connor McCaffrey front, the fact that he didn't play the entire second half and came in just to inbounds the ball goes to show you so much about him and what he means to this team as far as a decision maker. And I think when people get frustrated by Connor McCaffrey, it's because he can't shoot the ball that well. He's not a great shooter. Arguably, he's probably one of the worst shooters on this team, but he's also one of the most valuable players on this team as well. Joe Toussaint's another guy who's very valuable and would have been really helpful in this game, but because he was unable to go for as many minutes, we actually saw some interesting rotations, and I notated that as well. Um, I thought the rotation, and I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. Let me see where it is at, but I thought when Tony Perkins got in there with Aaron Ulis, the defensive energy was phenomenal. Um, that that final lineup they had the first half, I thought they really brought a ton of energy defensively with Perkins and Ulis in there. Um, Perkins, the first, literally the first time he touched the ball, turned the ball over, but after that settled into his ways, I thought looked very athletic, attacking the basket, very explosive. Aaron Ulis, I thought, did a, a phenomenal job of coming in and doing exactly what Iowa needed at that point guard position, giving them a Joe Toussaint-like um, play there and allowing Jordan Bohannon to play more of the two, and he did a really good job. Jordan Bohannon, let's not, again, understand him, 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 5 from three-point line. Um, he played a great game and had some very big shots, as we've come to expect from Jordan Bohannon in his career, but uh, nothing gets me going more than Iowa has the opportunity to take a lead. Jordan Bohan is just dribbling the ball down the court and five feet behind the perimeter just pops it up and drills it. Um, that's a Jordan Bohannon move. You can tell he's shooting with confidence when he does that. Um, and I thought a couple other things. Iowa, um, Jack Nungy not doing that well offensively. I have, again, not impressed him. He, I thought his ball handling was relatively poor, um, not having a lot of touch when he's shooting. He did hit 1-3 on a very wide-open three-point shot. I believe Aaron Ulis was the guy who gave him that assist. But defensively, Jack Nungy brought it then. Six defensive rebounds, three blocks, one steal. Um, overall, the defense was involved in a way we, haven't, we don't see typically from Iowa. Nine blocks in this game, two from Luca Garza on the same exact possession, three from Keegan Murray, three from Nunji, one from CJ Frederick, eight steals, again, forcing those turnovers. Rutgers has not been a very high turnover team. Um, and on the other side, Rutgers did a great job as well. 11 steals, eight blocks for them. Um, the difference here was fouls. And the, the officiating was very questionable throughout. I felt like Iowa was the beneficiary of bad officiating early on in the game. I felt like Rutgers was the beneficiary of bad officiating um I guess Rutgers was the beneficiary uh, in the middle of the game, and then Iowa, um, you know, towards the end, they actually started calling it relatively normally, I thought. Um, Iowa got away with a few in that first half. Of the second half, um, the you know, the officials definitely clamped down. Iowa finished with 13 personal fouls. Rutgers finished with 21. And again, look at those free throws. Rutgers shot 4 of 12 from three throws. Iowa had 23 free throw attempts, hit 18 of them. And that was the difference in this very pivotal Big Ten matchup on the road. And for those of you who are questioning, can this Iowa team do it again, you know, after losing to Minnesota on the road, I think they showed you they can. It's a dogfight every single game in the Big Ten, especially on the road. Iowa should have won the Minnesota game, but they turned it around. They beat Northwestern at home. They beat a ranked Northwestern at home. They go on the road and beat a very, very, very good Rutgers team. This is a team that is 
a top 16, top 15, top 14 team in the nation, however you want to swing it. Rutgers is a fantastic, phenomenal team in Iowa beat them despite not being able to play the game they wanted to play. They didn't have Joe Toussaint. They didn't have Connor McCaffrey. They, you know, went to an inter- went to some interesting rotations where they were not typically in. CJ Frederick got in foul trouble. Joe Wieskamp wasn't shooting the ball well, and yet they found a way to win. And that's my big takeaway from the win over Rutgers. Again, a big, big win over there. Um, they get Maryland later this week, followed by Minnesota on Sunday. We'll be giving you previews of all of those games uh, coming up before those games actually hit. We're going to take a quick break, though, and then get into some more talk about Spencer Petras, breaking down his his season versus some of the other Iowa quarterbacks. And again, what you're going to find out is very interesting, in my opinion. Before we get into any of that, though, I do have a very important message for you because if you're anything like me, you do like betting on your favorite sports teams. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that I trust to take care of all of my betting needs. That is betonline.ag. It is a very big time in sports. We had the NFL finish up the regular season last week. We've got playoff action coming up. We have the college football bowl season. One more game is left in that. We have college basketball, NHL, NBA. All of that's taking place right now. So if you want to get in on the action, this is there's no there's no better time than right now to get on the action and put a little bit of money in your pocket, especially after holiday season. Always nice to be able to do that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and do not forget to use that promo code locked on. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use that promo code locked on at betonline.ag. That's right, betonline.ag, the one place that has you covered, the one place that we trust, and the only place to get in on the action. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And when you get into betonline.ag, you get your account created, make sure you head over to Locked On Bets Podcast because betting on your favorite team doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets Podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets Podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast at. And believe me, Lee has been absolutely crushing. I believe he's nine and one as far as winning days goes, um, going at least two and one, possibly three and zero. Oh. So make sure to check out Locked On Bets and then head over to BetOnline.ag to get all of your betting needs in place. Let's get in that Spencer Petras talk because I know we talked a lot about it with Matt, and we're going to be talking about it with Matt on Wednesday's show as well. But I wanted to at least dive into the stats, and stats do not tell the entire story. Right, but they do tell a little bit of it. They do paint you a picture, and then you combine that with the eye test, and you start getting down to the nitty gritty of what actually happened. Spencer Petras struggled this year. Let's not, you know, let's let's be very honest about that. He struggled throughout this season. He got better towards the end, especially the second half of that Wisconsin game. He really uh, stepped up. Can he make that next step? Time will tell. But when I look at his season statistically, and I know it was an interesting season not getting an offseason, but he has been in this program for three years now at this point. So I compared him against every first-year starter in the Kirk Ferentz era after Brad Banks. I didn't feel like Brad Banks was a very good one to compare against. It wasn't going to add anything to our analysis because he had a Heisman season in his first season as a starter. I also normalized the stats as well. So Spencer Petrus' stats are based off of 13 games. Everyone except for C.J. Beathard and Drew Tate and Jake Christensen are under the 13-game allotment as well. Jake Christensen had 12. Drew Tate had 12. But we just kept it like that. Um, and then we'll go through the stats. So 
If you normalize Spencer Peters for 13 games, he threw for 2,549 yards, 57.1% completion percentage, 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions for a 119 quarterback rating. And a quarterback rating is always an interesting way to look at it, but definitely again, giving you some of that perspective. Now, when you compare that against all the other Iowa quarterbacks, here's where that stacks up in terms of your first-year production. Yards, 4 of 9. And yards is probably the least important stat of up there because if you throw the ball more, like he did, you're going to get more yards. Completion percentage, 6 of 9. This is interesting now. The three guys he beat out at 57.1%, Nate Stanley, Jake Christensen, and Nate Chandler. I'll let you figure out what uh, what two of those three have in common there. Touchdowns, 8 of 9. The only one he would have beat was Ricky Stanzi. The only one he would have beat was Ricky Stanzi. All right, so that's that's always interesting because Ricky Stanzi is often revered as one of the best you know players in Iowa history. Statistically speaking, he wasn't necessarily the the greatest quarterback by any means, though. But again, Ricky Stanzi, first year, fourteen touchdowns, nine interceptions. What's interesting if you look to his sophomore or his next year, his junior year, seventeen touchdowns, fifteen interceptions. Ricky was a little bit, you know, sometimes not erratic, but willing to take chances. But Iowa was able to overcome that because of his stellar play in crunch time. Interceptions, five of nine. The only people he beat out in terms of interceptions, Jake Rudock, Nate Chandler, Drew Tate, and Ricky Stanzi. Again, you can go one of two ways with those stats, especially when you look at it from a quarterback perspective and how people look at either Drew Tate and Ricky Stanzi or Jake Rudock and Nathan Chandler. Quarterback rating, he was eight of nine. At 119, the only person that was lower than him, Jake Christensen, 116.9. Everyone else was higher. The next closest, the next two closest players in terms of quarterback rating, though, was Nathan Chandler at 122 and Jake Rudock at 126. So the four lowest QB ratings in Iowa history in the Kirk Ferentz era, pre, you know, after Bad Brad Banks. So again, we're getting a little bit specific there, but out of the nine quarterbacks. It goes Jake Christensen, Spencer Petrus, Nathan Chandler, Jake Rudock. Now, why I did all that analysis, because I thought it was interesting. You know, Kirk is, he's a guy who's loyal. Um, he's a guy who, if you work hard, you know, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt from him. But Kirk also is not going to lose games because he thinks the guy did a really good job of practicing. He's going to play the best players. And we have seen... There be times where we have had quarterback controversies and people lose their job to younger players who haven't started games. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. There are three quarterbacks since Brad Banks that have lost their job at Iowa. It started with Nathan Chandler. It was Jake Christensen and then Jake Rudock. James Vandenberg is an interesting case. Uh, not, he never he didn't lose his job by any means, but there's also... Um, you know, wasn't exactly a, a surefire candidate behind him necessarily, right? Jake Rudock, again, um, also lost his job. So three people have lost their job. And again, you look at it statistically speaking, Spencer Petrus is more in line with a Nate Chandler, with a Jake Rudock, or a Jake Christensen than he is with a C.J. Beathard, who was a year older, to be fair, or a Drew Tate, or even a James Vandenberg. When you look at it from a touchdown interception number as well, uh, Spencer Petrus 
not up to the Nate Stanley or the James Vandenberg numbers as we've seen them in their first years, or even the C.J. Beathard numbers, right? 17-5 was C.J. Beathard. Nate Stanley, 26-6. James Vandenberg, 25-7 versus Spencer Peters, which was 15-8. and eight. And again, a lot of that can be traced back to his first couple games. Definitely improved as he went on, but not as much as you would hope. And then factor in the fact that Spencer had probably one of the best wide receiver groups in the history of the program at that time and was still unable to be as successful as you would have liked to seen. Now, one thing to also note, Nate Stanley plays a true sophomore. CJ Beathard, um, I believe, was a junior at the time. Jake Rudock was a junior. No, he was a sophomore, excuse me. James Vandenberg was a junior. Um, I think even maybe a red shirt junior there. Ricky Stanzi was a true sophomore. Jake Christensen, I believe, was a sophomore. Drew Tate, sophomore. Nathan Chandler, Chandler either sophomore or junior. Um, but again, my point of po- the, the reason why I pointed that out is the fact that the only stat that, Jay- that Spencer Petras looked good in was yards. Completion percentage, bottom half, bottom third. TDs, very bottom. Interceptions, bottom half. QB rating, bottom two. And the people he's matching up with are the guys who had their jobs taken. And then you factor in who was behind those guys. Nathan Chandler, behind Texan, Drew Tate. Jake Christensen, behind him. Very confident, high moxie player, Ricky Stanzi. Jake Rudock, behind him. NFL quarterback, and very confident player, Shijay Beathard. Those, that, that's some similar traits there as well. And then you look at Alex Padilla and Deuce Hogan. And I don't want to write off Alex Padilla because he's clearly the number two for a reason. But we have a full offseason. And you look at a guy like Deuce Hogan, who is a high moxie kind of guy. He's a very confident player. And I'm not saying Spencer isn't. I'm not saying that Alex Padilla isn't. I'm just trying to point out some similarities between the situation we're going through, the similarities between what we've seen in the past. And these high confidence guys have beaten out some of these guys who maybe haven't performed nearly as well. And it doesn't matter what your ranking is. Jake Christensen, a top 100 player, lost his job. Jake Rudock, he was number 627, lost his job to Sidney Beathard, who was ranked in the top 1,000. So, I mean, there are opportunities here. Jake Christian, again, 86, lost his job to Ricky Sanzi at 422. Nate Chandler, um, I couldn't find his ranking, but Drew Tate was ranked 215 and took his job. So there is, you know, there is a history of having this happen. Now, as you're going to listen to when we talk to Matt on our Wednesday show, this doesn't mean everything. We have a full offseason. Everyone has to compete, and the best player is going to play. Spencer Petrus did not secure his starting role next year. And even if he technically had by the media standards, he still had to come out and compete because these other guys, Alex Padilla, Deuce Hogan, Joey Labas, they're going to be competing for that starting role. And they're going to make Spencer better. And whoever wins that role rightfully earned it and deserved it. But I just wanted to point out some of the interestingly uh, the interesting you know, similarities between Spencer and some of the other quarterbacks who maybe haven't had as much history in the Iowa Hawkeye football program because they lost their jobs and where his similarities match up. Again, we have a long offseason to talk all about this, but I wanted to at least break it down before we got to that conversation with Mass. He had a little bit more context going in to that conversation. That does it for segment number two of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Coming up on segment number three, we're going to be getting into a few other news notes, breaking down that women's basketball game, talking about the wrestling schedule, and then wrapping up the show. Before we get into any of that, though, you know if you've listened to the show before, I love Built Bars. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is phenomenal. 
18 fantastic flavors, 12 OG, 6 brand new ones, and they come out with seasonal flavors all the time. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And let me tell you, I'm not kidding. I've tried so many protein bars out there, and nothing has stacked up to a Built Bar in terms of taste. But what also were Built Bar differentiates itself even more so is actually in the health department, which is what you want when you're getting a protein bar. Look at this flavor profile and tell me this doesn't sound amazing. The cookies and cream flavor, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Can you, honestly, I don't think you can find a protein bar out there that even comes close to the taste and the health benefits combined of a built bar. So if you are looking for that go-to post-workout snack or even just a midday snack that's healthy, that's delicious, that keeps you going, check out Built Bar. Right now, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's right. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, y'all, we do have some really awesome content coming up this week. Um, I am going to be on vacation Thursday and Friday, but we'll still be dropping shows. They just might not, they'll be a little bit um, pre recorded for those Thursday and Friday shows. But tomorrow, we have the newest member of the Iowa Hawkeye football community, Leah Van the Cedar Rapids Gazette football beat writer. She's going to be hopping on the show, talking all about her story. And it was, it's an amazing story. I think you're really going to enjoy it. She's a, a, an amazing addition to the Iowa Hawkeye football community. She's going to be doing some really great stuff um, for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Coming up on Wednesday, we also have Matt Vandenberg joining the show to give us that recap, that breakdown of this Iowa Hawkeye football season, giving us a little bit of insight into that training approach for you know, pro day, also talking a bit about opting in, opting out, and why some should or should not do that. And then uh, schooling me a little bit on what a true gray shirt means. Uh, that was a, that was a fun conversation as well. Uh, Matt Vandenberg, as you all know, a fantastic guest we've had on throughout the season. He's back as well on Wednesday. So Leah tomorrow, Matt on Wednesday, and then more traditional Iowa Hawkeye content Thursday and Friday. But let's get into the rest of our show right now. So to wrap up our Monday morning episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, going to break down the women's basketball game versus Illinois, and then also talk a little bit about the wrestling schedule uh, because we finally got a schedule. And to be honest, there's not a lot to say other than the women absolutely dominated an Illinois basketball squad. 107 to 68. They got up to a 52 to 25 first half advantage, added 11 more in the third quarter, and then obviously coasted from there. Almost everyone got playing time in this game, which was phenomenal. Caitlin Clark, again, you know, she got hers 21 points, 7 of 16 shooting, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. McKenna Warnick, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. And Monica Chinano, 7 of 8 for 15 points and 4 rebounds. So again, Iowa's trifecta, absolutely crushing it. Iowa shot 54% from the field and 42% from three, which is always going to make a huge difference. This women's basketball team, again, they've only had one loss in this entire season. And this is a team you need to be watching. I know it's tough to watch them on Big Ten Plus um, when they're typically featured, but Whenever you get a chance to, make sure to check out this women's basketball team. Not only are we witnessing Lisa Bluter do it again, this team is currently ranked 34th in the AP poll, going to keep continuing to climb as they continue to win these games. Obviously, that's how it works. And they get Minnesota this upcoming Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. So, obviously, another opportunity to add a win there against a, a struggling Minnesota squad. But, again, this Iowa basketball team under Lisa Bluter is phenomenal to watch, a lot of fun. And Caitlin Clark is 
probably the front runner in my opinion for Big Ten Player of the Year, if not at least Freshman of the Year, and a future All-American, a future National Player of the Year candidate, which is not something you can say very often, but apparently Iowa has these people come through the program every single year as of late, so make sure to check out the women's basketball team. On the wrestling side, we finally got a schedule. So I'm going to break down the schedule quick and then give a few tidbits and notes. January 15th is when Iowa kicks off getting Nebraska and at home, uh, January 22nd, we get you know we're going to Minnesota. January 31st, we host Illinois and Michigan. We on February 7th, we go to West Lafayette to get Purdue and Ohio State. February 12th, we head to Happy Valley to get Penn State. February 19th, Northwestern at Northwestern. February 21st, Wisconsin at Wisconsin. So again, mostly a complete Big Ten slate there. The interesting thing, obviously, six. Or sorry, five dual meets, um, two kind of try meets to be a little bit interesting to see how that plays out, what the strategy goes into that. The Big Ten Championships are taking place March 6th and 7th, followed by the National Wrestling Championships March 18th, 20th, which Iowa should undoubtedly be favored in at this point. Unfortunately, um, I know... You know, Hawkeye wrestling fans, we pack that arena easily at Carver, but there are no fans allowed throughout the season, only family members of student-athletes. So, unfortunately, that is not going to be something we're going to be able to watch, especially in a year where Iowa should once again be favored to win a national title, a national team title. They return 9 of 10 All-Americans from 2020. Again, a year where they were favored significantly going into the national championships before that got canceled due to COVID. They return everyone except for Pat Lugo. That's Spencer Lee, Austin DeSanto, Caleb. Young, Alex Marinelli, Michael Kermer, Abe Assad, Jacob Warner, and Tony Cassiope. Uh, they have a lot. And then when you think about the fact that Pat, Ligo, Pat Lugo's eligibility is ended, he is gone. But in his place is Jaden Ironman of Missouri, a three-time All-American from Missouri, wanted to wrestle at Iowa. He's traditionally wrestling at 141, but I think with Max Marin currently at 141, Ironman, it makes sense to, to move up to the next spot, taking over Pat Lugo's spot. In his only three, he's only wrestled for three years, he's taken fifth, fourth, and third, respectively, at the national um, championships. So again, Iowa is replacing an All-American with another All-American, and this is Another season where Iowa should come away as the national champions of collegiate wrestling. The only thing that could be interesting to watch out for is obviously the COVID issues. How does that impact different wrestling meets? We saw it with football where we had multiple games canceled, not necessarily on the Iowa side until late in the season, but across the regular season. How does that work with some of these wrestlers? How does that work with meets? Um, Iowa, I do believe, has, in my personal opinion, the most depth of all these wrestling programs. Not only do they have all these All-Americans returning, but they have a lot of depth as well. So that will be an advantage for Iowa, especially in some of these other meets. Maybe not Penn State, but other meets for them if they have any COVID issues. Obviously hoping that 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 doesn't happen, but you just never know in these times. You never know who might have to be out at any given time, but Iowa has a ton of depth to be able to handle that. So again, the women's basketball team crushing Illinois. They play Minnesota on Wednesday. The wrestling squad, they have their first meet in just under two weeks to taking on Nebraska. It's nice to see that wrestling team get back in the groove of things and carry home what hopefully should be a national title for the Iowa wrestling squad. That will do it for our show today. Just a reminder that we have Leah Van on the show tomorrow and we have Matt Vandenberg on the show on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. If you love the show, give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast app. And as always, folks, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I appreciate you all tuning in to this episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, our first episode of 2021. Have a fantastic new year, a fantastic Monday, and let's go Hawks.